afternoon and welcome to week four of Started from the Bottom with Caleb Nixon and Joey Polizzi. This week, we are circling back to the NBA and featuring the legendary story of Jeremy Lin. We will be going through Lin's path to the pros and the ultimate story of Lin's sanity. Jeremy Lin was born on August 23rd, 1988. He spent most of his childhood in Palo Alto, California. His parents were two Taiwanese immigrants, which was his ethnicity. Furthermore, his parents were both 5'6", which was very short. Lin started to play the game of basketball at a relatively young age. His father would take Lin and his two brothers to their local YMCA to play. When Lin entered high school, he was only 5'3", but he just kept on growing. He is currently listed at 6'3", but was around 5'10 at the end of his senior year. In his junior season of high school, Lin was playing very well and it had taken his team all the way to the semifinals for the state of California. This was the first major setback in Lin's career. In his documentary, Lin's Sanity, the narrator stated, Jeremy had a tradition of shooting around the night before his high school games, but on the eve of the state semifinal game, the high school gym was closed. Jeremy played up, played in a pickup game at his local YMCA, end quote. During the pickup game, Lin fractured his ankle, bringing his high school junior season to an end. When Lin fully recovered for his senior season, he did everything he could to get his team back to the semifinals. However, this season, Lin led his team to a 32-1 record while averaging 15 points, 7.1 assists, 6.2 rebounds, and 5 steals per game. He was named to the first team All-State. Being the underdog, Lin made the ultimate underdog move by defeating nationally ranked Made or Die to win the state championship. The Made or Die roster had 8 D1 players, while Palo Alto barely had one. Although he stood in the, out in the state of California, Lin was never highly recruited by D1 colleges. With a 4.2 GPA in high school and a perfect score in the math portion of the SAT, Lin decided to go somewhere that focused mainly on academics. Harvard University is one of the most academically focused colleges in the United States and is not usually known for their athletics. So Lin decided to take a non-scholarship offer to play basketball at Harvard University. As a freshman, Lin did not receive much playing time and recognition. However, his sophomore year, he began developing. He was named to the All-Ivy League second team. In his junior season, he averaged 17.8 points, 5.5 rebounds, 4.3 assists, and 2.4 steals a game. He was also selected to the Ivy League first team. His senior year was relatively similar, receiving the same honors. In his time at Harvard, Lin helped the team defeat three nationally ranked teams. After his coaches at Harvard approached him about the NBA, Lin decided to enter his name in the 2010 NBA Draft. The 2010 NBA Draft featured names like John Wall and Gordon Hayward. Lin felt like his best chance to get drafted was at the 39th pick with the New York Knicks. He did not get drafted at this pick and ultimately went undrafted. Ten minutes after the draft concluded, the GM of the Dallas Mavericks called Jeremy and asked him to play on their summer league team. By the end, Lynn was playing more and got his chance shortly after. The Mavericks were scheduled to go up against the Wizards with their number one pick in John Wall. Jeremy Lynn not only outplayed Wall on the offensive end, but he also locked him up on the defensive end. Lynn dominated the game, which allowed him to get looks from NBA teams after competing against Wall. 
He got his first shot with the Golden State Warriors, his hometown team, and who he grew up cheering for. In his first NBA game, Lin became the first American of Taiwanese descent to play in the NBA. He went back and forth between the Warriors D-League team and the NBA roster, but was waived by the Warriors in 2011. He was then picked up by Houston and Daryl Morey. The challenge was that Houston had three point guards ahead of Lin already, which made it so much harder for Lin to compete for playing time. He rarely got playing time and was only on the team for 12 days. He was waived again, but this time it was on Christmas Day. Two days later, Lin signed with the New York Knicks. Despite showing promise during his D-League stints, he was actively restricted from seeing the floor for the Knicks. Lin thought he was on the verge of getting released once again. However, the Knicks decided to give him a couple more chances. In a February game against the Boston Celtics, seemingly with no options left and Baron Davis injured, Mike D'Antoni, the head coach of the Knicks, told Lynn to go out there and, quote, not do too much. Lynn played a poor game turning the ball over and missing shots. After that game, Lynn stayed with teammate Landry Fields and slept on his couch. The couch was only six feet long, which is really not enough for a 6'3 basketball player, but Lynn had no other options to stay. What happened that next day remains among the most probable and most inspiring stories in sports history. This truly was Lynn's last chance on the New York Knicks. Jeremy Lynn checked in with 3.35 remaining left in the first quarter when they faced the Brooklyn Nets. The Knicks trailed most of the game, but Lynn took over the game with legendary commentator Mike Breen claiming that this was the Jeremy Lynn show. He would finish the game with 25 points, 5 rebounds, and 7 assists, all career highs for Jeremy Lynn. And of course, a 99 to 92 victory for the New York Knicks. In Lynn's next game, he received his first career start. Knicks star center Amari Stoudemire was out of the game, and Carmel Anthony was injured in the first half. Jeremy Lynn stepped up, having 28 points, eight assists, while making layup after layup in a crazy fashion. Lynn added another great performance against the Wizards and John Wall, leading the Knicks to another win. The next game was against the LA Lakers and Kobe Bryant. Before the game, Kobe stated this to the media when asked about Lynn, quote, I know who he is, but I have no idea what he has done. I have no idea what you guys are talking about, end quote. Lynn scored 38 points and helped beat the Lakers by seven points. With Lynn's success, the Knicks went on a seven game win streak with Lynn averaging 27.3 points, 8.3 assists, and 2.0 steals. He also won Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Maybe his most memorable moment was against the Toronto Raptors. The Knicks were down five with just over one minute left in the game. Lind ended up tying the game at 87, and the Knicks got the ball again with 20 seconds left. With three seconds left, Lind pulled up to the three-point line, and Mike Breen says, bang, 90-87, Knicks win. Lynn would finish the season on a tear where the name Lynn Sanity would be adopted to describe this phenomenal play out of nowhere. However, Lynn would partially tear his meniscus in his left knee, resulting in him to play in only 35 games for the Knicks. The Knicks were losing the first round to the Heat, while Lynn finished sixth in Most Improved Player of the Year award. At the end of the season, Lynn became a restricted free agent and the New York Times would call Lynn the most popular player in a decade. Lynn was then signed with the Houston Rockets, where he wasn't exceptional. 
Rockets coach Kevin McHale decided to place the ball in Harden's hand, moving Lynn off the ball. It is here where Lynn's story went from inspirational to tragic. In Harden, the Rockets found a better version of Lynn, one who was stronger, more efficient, and more durable. Although Lynn would start all 32 games for the Rockets, he would only average 13.4 points and 6.1 assists per game. After spending two seasons with the Rockets, Lynn was traded on July 13, 2014. In one season with the Lakers, he was mediocre, only posting an 11.2 points per game and 4.6 assists. The following season, Lynn signed a two-year, $4.3 million deal with the Charlotte Hornets. However, after Lynn played his best ball since 2011, averaging 11.7 points and finishing seventh in voting in the NBA Sixth Man of the Year award, Lynn decided to decline his $2.2 million player option for the following season. As a result, Lynn would become a free agent. Lynn would then sign a three-year, $36 million deal with the Brooklyn Nets. In his first season, he was plagued with injuries, which resulted in him playing only 36 games. He averaged 14.5 points and 5.1 assists per game. The next season, during the Nets' season opener against the Indiana Pacers, Lynn was injured when he landed awkwardly following a layup. He suffered a ruptured patel tendon in his right knee and missed the remainder of the season. In the offseason, the Nets decided to trade Lynn along with draft picks in exchange for the rights to Isaiah Cordoner and a future second-round pick. However, towards the end of the season, the Hawks waived Lynn after he only averaged 10.7 points and three assists after finalizing a buyout. After clearing waivers, Lynn signed with the Toronto Raptors on February 13, 2009, during a playoff contender. In June, Lynn acknowledged that his patellar tendon injury continued to limit his athleticism and affect his ability to drive to the basket. However, the Raptors, the Raptors would go on to the NBA Finals and beat the Warriors in five games. As a result, Lynn became the first Asian American to win an NBA title. He played a total of 27 minutes in the playoffs, but did become the first East Asian American, as well as the first Harvard graduate to play in the NBA Finals. Following the championship win, Lynn signed with the Beijing Duck of the CBA for a reported $3 million per season. He also had offers to play in Russia, Israel, and the EuroLeague. After one year, Lynn sought a return to the NBA. His original team, Golden State Warriors, wanted to add him back to their G League affiliate, the Santa Cruz Warriors. And on January 9th, 2021, the Santa Cruz Warriors announced that Lynn has been added to the 2021 season through the new NBA veteran rule exception, which some G League observers dubbed the Jeremy Lynn rule. In just four games this season for Lynn in the G League on the Santa Cruz Warriors, he is averaging 17.8 points per game, 7.3 assists, and shooting 47.8% from behind the arc. Yeah, what a great story. And we'll obviously get to his attempt at a comeback here at, towards the end of the wrap-up. But going back to just how he started, I mean, I think it's pretty crazy to see how both of his parents were very short, um, five, six. And it's just, I mean, I don't know if you want to call it luck or whatever he ate or whatever he did to work out, but becoming a six, three guard out of two, five, six parents. I mean, that's just, you don't really see that too often. They say that you 
follow, you know, what your parents are. You know, I know my, my dad's six feet, my mom's like five, six, and I'm about six feet. So I'm in that range, but it's just really weird to see a parent really short at five, six, and somehow their son is a six, three guard and eventually make it to the NBA. So that's a great story in itself and how he was able to grow from five, three in high school, all the way up to six, three by the time he got to the pro. So that's a great story too. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like you said, coming in at 5'3", um, but by the end of high school, 5'10", I mean, junior season, he was looking very good. His team, I mean, really, California, I would say, is probably one of the better known states for recruits. Um, it's up there. It's obviously a bigger state, so it has more opportunities. But we really see um, teams ranked nationally out of California quite a bit. And so for him to play really good, not only in his junior year, but in his senior year, he won the state championship. I mean, I think that just shows in itself how much Jeremy Lin knew about basketball and how good he was. Yeah, he, he was a great basketball player. And, you know, his, his numbers might not be, you know, eye-popping, you know, he's not averaging 25, 30 points in high school, but you look at his assist, you look at his rebounds, and then those steals, five steals a game, 6.2 rebounds with 7.1 assists, that's solid. And I think, you know, at that, in high school, you know, he facilitated well, still scoring the basketball well, and you know, that's why they were able to beat, you know, a team that were stacked, you know. Yeah, definitely. It was a stacked team. As I mentioned, eight of those players um, on Mater Dei that they beat went on to play Division One basketball. Um, and so I, I think it's also worth noting out that if Jeremy Lin really didn't excel in school like he did, I mean, he may have really not gotten the chance to play basketball in college. He went to Harvard, as we mentioned which was on a non-scholarship offer to play basketball for them. Um, so it's really, that just gives him props for his academics, the way he excelled in high school, and, and it helped him out. I mean, it gave him his shot at Harvard, which led to his shot in the NBA. And I mean, without succeeding in academics, he, he would have never gotten into Harvard to play for them. Yeah, and it just speaks to, you know, his path was different to the pros. You know, the reason why he got a chance at Harvard was because he was so smart in school. Look at that. 4.2 GPA, and he got a perfect score on the math portion at, of his SAT. So, you know, he didn't get recruited at D1 colleges, but, you know, he did get that chance at Harvard because of his GPA, and he was a great student in school. Yeah, and so we see him develop into, after his freshman year, we see him develop into this uh, better player. I mean, sophomore year, all Ivy League second team. Um, but junior year and senior years when it really stood out, averaging around 18 points both years and also receiving all Ivy League first team both of those years. Um, and so I think it's worth noting out that he also defeated three nationally ranked teams. You usually see teams like Harvard getting on these tougher team schedules because these tougher teams think it's going to be an easy win, maybe a, a blow by a non-conference so that they can just get their team some experience. But I think it's really important noting out that Lynn helped them defeat these three nationally ranked teams. And it's not easy to do that. Yeah. And it's evident, you know, with Lynn's stats, you know, he was the leader of that Harvard team and, you know, beating three nationally ranked teams, not just one, not just two, but three, you know, that's, that's an accomplishment for Lynn and that team, because, you know, Harvard, they're not known for their athletics, as we mentioned, they're known for their school smarts and they were able to beat three teams who probably are good at athletics and that's what their main focus is. So, you know, props to Harvard and props to Jeremy Lin for defeating these teams when Lin was playing there. 
Yeah, and so we might as well just get into the pros. I mean, he was in the 2010 NBA draft. He entered his name. I mean, he was a senior, so it was either enter your name into the draft or really um, look somewhere else for basketball. So he did so, and, I mean, looking back at that 2010 draft, he obviously wasn't going to go high, but this draft included names, like I mentioned, John Wall, um, Gordon Hayward, but also DeMarcus Cousins. Paul George was in this draft, um, as well as Avery Bradley, Eric Bledsoe. I mean, it was a pretty solid draft all throughout, um, but it, I think it was – I think he was expecting a little bit better to go undrafted. He he liked his workout with the Knicks, um, but, you know, this is this is why we're making this show. I mean, he started from the bottom. He went undrafted. It's how he worked up that we got to this story. Yeah, it speaks to the show. We started from the bottom, you know, you know, even going back to his, even going back to his uh, childhood, he was 5'3 in high school. He worked his way up, not even saying that he worked on his growth, but, you know, he still, he was a young kid. He was a small kid. He worked his way up to being a 6'3 guard, getting undrafted, not getting any D1 scholarships to eventually playing at Harvard and trying to land a spot on a team in the pros. Yeah, and uh, that really started when he went undrafted. Um, it wasn't soon after. I mean, teams recognized that he had potential, uh, potential talent maybe to be in the league. So like we see a lot of the times, these summer leagues decide to uh, give these undrafted players a shot and to prove himself once and for all. And so we see that on the Mavericks. And I mean, going up against John Wall, you usually see these number one, top five, top 10 players dominate the summer leagues. And for Lynn to really outplay Wall, I think that really led to Lynn getting a, a somewhat of a chance in the in the big big leagues. One hundred percent. You know, he showed that he competed a little bit against the best prospect in this year's draft, and I think that opened eyes for some teams, including you know the Warriors, who decided to take a chance on him and have him switch off between the pros and their G League team. Yep, and so the Warriors was his first uh, signing back and forth between the. D League, which was what it was called at the time instead of the G League, um, back and forth between that roster and the Warriors NBA roster, obviously really didn't work out in Houston either. Uh, the the Houston Rockets had multiple point guards on that roster at the time, so not much of a chance for Lynn to play there. Um, I think it is worth pointing out as well, Christmas Day. I mean, that's got to be tough to get cut on Christmas Day. He mentioned that in part of his documentary. Um, that's just you know, that's a day that everyone tries to enjoy. And it's it's really tough to – I'm sure it's tough to lose your job on Christmas Day. It's tough. You know, Christmas Day, it's supposed to be a holiday of giving and receiving. And, you know, Lynn, he was released. And I bet it just crushed him. But I knew – I knew it. He wasn't going to stop here. Lynn was not going to stop here. He's a hard worker. And, you know, two days later, he gets signed by another team. Yeah, the New York Knicks. And this is – I mean, this is ultimately where, where we see him get his first shot. But at the same time, it's not like he was just given this. I mean, he started with limited minutes, restriction from the floor. Um, and I, and I, I truly believe that they were on the verge of cutting him. And I, I think he believed that as well. So when he got his shot in that Boston game, I mean, it might be, it might be, he might be full of nerves and, and like, I mean, this might be my last chance. I mean, that's got to be, hard for a player and so he didn't really perform too well in that game um and and obviously the next game is really when he stepped up and 
just that performance. It's just crazy. It is. And before we get there, you know, Lynn definitely feeling the pressure because you look when he got into the league, he started with the Mavs, you know, in the summer league, then to the Warriors, then they waved him, then to the Rockets, who then waved him. And now he's on the Knicks. So he feels like his career in the NBA is, is not going to plan. And he feels like maybe one or two more games and he might be out of there and he might wind up with no job in the NBA. So I think he felt the pressure and this is when the whole insanity went down during the 2011 season for the New York Knicks. Yeah, uh, going up against the Nets in his first game where he really shined. Um, we see 25 points, five rebounds, and seven assists. And like you said, uh, Joey, when we were going throughout, I mean, nobody knew what to really expect. This really wasn't – he was he was playing because maybe they were giving him one more chance, maybe a little bit of injury on the Knicks. But, I mean, we see him shine. I mean, dude, it's, it's, it's important to mention that he was playing alongside – Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire in, in this game. Uh, obviously, we mentioned that they were out in the next game, but in this game, he was playing alongside him and he put up those numbers. I think that's just crazy when you're playing alongside two All Stars. And Lynn, he he stepped in. You know, possibly his last chance is what the Knicks say. This is his last chance, and he proved that he can have a career in the NBA. And he's a solid NBA player. You know, twenty five point five rebounds, seven assists, and a win. That's great stats from Lynn, and he led this Knicks team for the rest of the season. Yes, and we see it in this stretch, this seven-game stretch where he just dominates. And really, we mentioned uh, the one, I just think the game against the Lakers was crazy. I mean, Kobe Bryant usually, I mean, he's a competitor for sure. He tries to get in people's heads when he plays. He trash talked. I mean, he did everything. But really what he said before the game, I mean, I think that just had to motivate Lynn. And I mean, to, for Lynn to go out and score 38 points against one of the greatest basketball players we've ever seen. And he beat the Lakers. Um, it's That was just probably pinnacle moment for Lynn in, in the seven game stretch. Yeah. And I think, I believe after this game, it might've been after the next game, but this was when the term Lynn Sanity started to get brought up because this is a guy who came out of nowhere. You know, we saw three different teams before he got to the Knicks. He came out of nowhere because of injuries to that Knicks roster. So we had to get some playing time. And he stepped in and he just went off, completely went off. Yeah, I mean, just out of – and it really was. It was out of nowhere. Um, we really don't see this. And and I know in his documentary he has many, many commentators, many sports analysis quoting, like, we've never seen this before. This is something you don't see – that often you don't see a player coming out of nowhere possibly being released and just I mean playing out of his mind I mean that's the best way to put it and we really see that over that seven game stretch he averages over 27 points eight assists two steals Um, it's just and winning Eastern Conference Player of the Week it really just shows and Joey I'm not sure if you remember watching this game but that game against the Raptors is just and it might top the Kobe Bryant moment. Why don't you walk us through that? Yeah, I remember watching this game. You know, Jeremy Lin at the top of the key. He has the ball. You know, the game's tied. So it's I, everyone knows in the building, Lin is getting the ball. He's getting it. He's been red hot. He steps up. He's inside, right outside the arc with three seconds left. And you hear the famous Mike Green. Bang! And at that moment, Knicks go crazy. They win against a Raptors team that was pretty solid. 
And Lynn, you know, then started to get national recognition because everyone was saying he was on the cover of all these newspapers and everyone in the world, everyone knew who Jeremy was at this moment, this exact moment, everyone knew who Jeremy Lynn was. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is where I, and this is really where I think Lynn Sanity, the whole term went around the world. Um, I mean, it's, he's obviously a Taiwanese descent. So just to be from an, an, an ascent of, descent of another country, it's just going to spread worldwide. Um, I think it's really cool to point out too, this game was also in Toronto. And after he hit the game winner, I mean, it's in Toronto. You think they'd be cheering for their own team, but really, I mean, you can hear quite a bit of cheers as Jeremy Lin hits that game winner. It's, and it just goes back to show it's something we don't see often. It's something the whole sporting world, not just the NBA. It's something the whole sporting world doesn't see too often where a player just goes off and, and absolutely dominates for a week or two straight. Yeah. And I think, Everybody, including myself and probably you, loved Jeremy Lin. You loved how he just came out of nowhere and was just dominating the NBA. And this is why he was referred to by the New York Times as the most popular player in a decade. Because everybody, if you were a Knicks fan, if you hated the Knicks, you were rooting for Jeremy Lin. Yes, you were. I mean, it's hard not to root against him, or it's hard not to root for him. Hard to root against him, it feels like, because it is one of those stories where he, he truly started from the bottom had to work his way up. Um, but so we see really towards his, the end of his Knicks, uh, I guess, career. Uh, he gets hurt and that, and really, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit later, but injuries play a big part into him and exiting the NBA, I would say. Um, and as I mentioned, we'll get into that a little bit later where injuries kind of define his career a little bit more. So after the Knicks, he, he goes to the Rockets and he's playing alongside James Harden, who, I mean, developed in Houston as one of the most isolated players we've ever seen, um, but that's because he could score. So I think it was a little bit harder for Lynn to continue what he did in New York just because, I mean, you're playing alongside James Harden and he, he, he's the one-man show. And um, we, we only see him average 13 and a half points, six assists, but he, he did start all 82 games, which shows that he earned that starting spot. And I just think, you know, J Jeremy Lin was a player in the NBA who needed the ball in his hands. He was a scorer. That's what he did. He scored in the NBA. And with Harding coming in, you know, they took a different approach. Jeremy Lin was always used to that pick and roll game where you had someone, a big guy would set the screen for him, you know, pick and pop, whatever. Jeremy Lin thrived off that. But now Jeremy Lin was moving off ball and the ball was in James Harden's hand. I think it just threw off Lin's gameplay. And he wasn't the same player after his 25 game stretch with the New York Knicks last season. Yeah, agree. And I mean, so after the Rockets, um, he would be traded to the Lakers. Um, another, I mean, mediocre-ish season. Um, I, I think the, the key thing to really point out there is he did get to play alongside Kobe. And I mean, you think about that. I mean, it's, it's hard to play with the Lakers as well. Kobe, an isolated player. Um, but to just be able to play alongside somebody he probably watched growing up is just is something amazing as well. Yeah, I, I bet he was happy, you know, going to the Lakers. But it, it's an interesting story with Jeremy Lin, similar to last week with Jose Batista. You know, he was a guy who at the beginning, you know, he got cut by many teams. Then he found his way with the Blue Jays. And at the end of his career, he got cut, 
waived, traded by many teams. And it seems like Jeremy Lin, the same thing is happening with him. You know, he started from the bottom, got cut by a couple teams, waived by a couple teams two, three times, found his way with the Knicks. And then we see at the end of his career, he's getting cut, he's getting waived, traded to a couple teams. And it just, at some point, it takes a fall on these players, including injuries, which we'll get to a little bit, but it hurt Jeremy Lin's career greatly. Yeah, and so before, I mean, really before this downfall, he was obviously not too bad on the Rockets. Averaging six assists as a point guard is is pretty good, I would say, for being especially for being a score first point guard. But so after the Lakers' um, little stint, he does sign a two year, four point three million dollar contract with the Hornets. Um, and for most of that time, he comes off the bench, and as you mentioned, he was top ten. He was seventh in the NBA Sixth Man of the Year award. Um, averaging 11.7, close to 12 points a game off the bench is pretty solid. That's a good um, way to come off the bench, contribute to your team's score. Um, so we just seen we see him decline his 2.2 million dollar uh, player option after that season. And uh, really, I mean, I think teams would agree after that strong performance off the bench, he 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 really had a chance to make a big contract, and he did so with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, got a three-year. $36 million contract. That'd be 12 million per year. Um, but this, this is what, like we talked about, Joey, this is where we see injuries start to hurt him really bad. I mean, it, to be honest, it's really crazy that Lynn, he went from a two year, $4.3 million to a season later getting three year, $36 million. I mean, his season with the, with the Hornets, it wasn't the greatest. I mean, it, it was average. He averaged 11.7 points. He finished seventh in, in six men of the year award voting. But the Nets, I guess they saw something. Maybe it was that, that victory in Lynn's first game against them that they knew Lynn had some potential, so they wanted to get him. But I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, Lynn is a great player, but he went from getting about $2.125 million a year to $13 million the prior year. So it's tough. I don't know what the Nets were thinking, but he played well. You know, 14 and a half points, 5.1 assists. I think that's what the Nets asked for, but the injuries, man. He was battling injuries all year long. He only played in 36 games for them. I think the Nets look back at that contract and say, man, it's a bad one. Yeah, and I mean, not only to mention he only played 36 games in that season, but the next season, as you mentioned, for the Nets, he only played thir- or one game. He got injured in that original game. And I mean, I believe he had 18 points when he went out with that injury in the first game. And so that really, I mean, I I believe that allowed him to miss the rest of the year for the Nets, but that really just set him back. Um, He was traded from the Nets then, and and we see him go to the Raptors. And he really, he really mentions after, I think it was after the Raptors made their championship run that his patellar tendon injury really affected his his way to play basketball. He's a driver. He's a he's a quick guy. He uses his um, movements with his legs to make quick moves, get around the defender, go up and lay it in, or hit a step back jump shot. I mean, an injury like that that's going to definitely affect the way you play your game and the way you score, which is what Jeremy Lin did. Yeah, and he mentioned it. If not, it's, it's sad what happened to him because you know he had potential to be a good. NBA player and you saw in the Nets game in the season opener 18 points he had potential to go for a 30 piece in that game but injuries they're tough like you look at Derrick Rose what happened to him injuries he was an explosive player driving to the rim hard every time now you don't really see that from anymore because injuries man they they really affect you and I think Lynn it affected him in the NBA and 
probably why he didn't get much chance in the NBA anymore. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, either way, to join this Raptors team, I know he mentioned in his uh, documentary as well that this isn't the way he wanted to win an NBA championship. He wanted to be a starting point guard by the time he was a champion. But I do think it is cool that he was a part of that Raptors team that beat the Warriors. He got a little playing time when the Raptors or when the games were out of reach in the finals. Um, But either way, I mean, to become the first East Asian American, as well as the first Harvard graduate to play in the NBA finals um, and the first Asian American to win an NBA title as well. I mean, it's just that just shows. I mean, even though he really didn't contribute to that team, it's still great for him to get a ring. I, I really think he deserved it after the, all these injuries. It was just good for him to get a title. It was, and he didn't play much, but, you know, he played some, and I think he did contribute a tiny bit to the Raptors winning I mean, through the postseason. But it's it's great to see him being the first Asian-American to win a title, the first Eastern Asian-American and the first Harvard graduate to play in the NBA Finals and win it. So I think that's all cool. It's a great story, and I'm happy for Jeremy Lin that he finally got a title, even with all of his injuries the past couple of seasons. Yeah, and you know, I, I always think we're – when you see stories like this, you're really always rooting for those guys. I mean, you mentioned Derrick Rose. I don't think anyone dislikes Rose, and everyone would love to see him get a ring. I mean, Dwight Howard, he he really – he was a defensive dominance in, in Orlando, uh, and then he gets bounced around a lot. But we see him last year finally get a ring, and, I mean, it's hard to hate that. Um, you also look at Chris Paul doesn't have a ring, usually a most respectable player. Carmelo Anthony, I mean, you could just go down the list. There's guys that – I mean, they deserve a title and it doesn't, they don't always get the opportunity to win one, but I think this right here was a good chance to see a player that a lot of people liked and loved to get a championship. Yeah. And it's great because, you know, he was a kid, didn't start out great. He didn't get any scholarships to eventually, even though he didn't contribute much, he wasn't a leader on that team. He still was and is an NBA finals champion. Absolutely. And after this, um, he really didn't want to stop playing. He didn't like his role in the Raptors. So he tried going overseas, got a pretty solid contract offer three million per year. Um, but I do think it's it's great for Lynn to make to try and make a comeback in the NBA. And, and I believe at the beginning of this year, I want to say he tried to get to the Golden State Warriors. And I, and I thought the Golden State Warriors had agreed to sign him. They obviously didn't come through with the contract, but I was thinking that the NBA for some reason restricted Lynn from signing with the Warriors. I'm not sure if it was because of his contract interfering from overseas or what that was. Do you know it all, Joey? It's it's something to do with the with the contract that he signed for the Beijing Ducks. It's it's some weird thing. I don't know if he can go up to the Warriors roster. It's it's some weird thing. It's 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 a complicated process. It's like it's in the manual for the NBA. It's it's weird. Yeah, so that's I mean, it sounded like Golden State wanted to sign him, and why, why not? I mean, they they need some scoring. They obviously have a couple of guys on their roster that have been in the G League, um, have struggled just because they're looking for some guard scoring, some guard defense after losing Clay Thompson, um, and they struggled to score the ball a little bit earlier in the year. So, the, I mean, it's not that he doesn't have the potential to come back to the league. Right now it seems like his contract interfering with overseas. Um, it is good to see him in the G League, though, uh, I watched his first game against the G League Ignite team um, with the college with uh, or the, the younger team. 
and he played pretty good. I mean, he, I think he came off the bench, but he had, I want to say, around 20 points. So I wouldn't say count Jeremy Lin out from coming back to the NBA. He definitely has a chance. Um, it might not be likely. But in the end, I mean, he is only, I want to say, 32 years old. Yes, he's 32 years old. I mean, that can be the prime for a lot of players. So if he truly recovered from all these injuries, he may have a chance at being a role player for a team in the upcoming years. He's doing good this year. He is. In four, small sample size, four games, I know. But he's playing good. He's averaging over 17.5 points averaging over seven assists, and he's shooting great, something that he hasn't done in his NBA career, quite honestly. He's shooting 47.8% from behind the three, and I believe it's the, that exact number is what he's shooting from the field too. So he is shooting the ball great, and who knows, maybe 32, still has a couple years left to maybe make an NBA roster in the future. Yeah, and that's something we'll have to wait and see. I mean, you really hope. We obviously don't like to see him restricted to the G League because of an interference with a overseas contract. So, I mean, you really hope as a Jeremy Lin fan that he can get one more shot. Um, maybe the Warriors can pull him up later in this season. Um, but we will have to see. And just, I mean, going back, we see Jeremy Lin just just go through so many tough times. What do you think was the, the biggest starter from the bottom for him? What do you think was the biggest restriction to him getting to the NBA? You know, the biggest thing that I look at from his whole journey was his junior year, actually. You know, he, he always goes to the gym beforehand. And when the school gym was closed, he went to go play a pickup game and fractured his ankle. You know, I think that's big. It spoke to Jeremy Lin. It shows that he's a hard worker and he needs to get in that pickup game right before game day to feel out. And he fractures his ankle. And I think that's when we started to realize, you know, from this story that Jeremy Lin's a hard worker. And he showed next season when he played great, five steals, 6.2 rebounds, 7.1 assists, 15.1 points. It showed that Jeremy Lin is a hard worker and he will do anything to try and be a successful NBA player or a successful basketball player. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you see as a high schooler, it's, it's tough. And sometimes when you're just a, I mean, a player averaging around 15 points a game, you're probably not thinking of the NBA. Um, in his junior year, he fractures his ankle, and who knows what that can do for his future. But I really think, like you said, Joey, this is where we start to see his determination, his hard work, and how he started from the bottom. This is where he learned to, I mean, learned to learn from his mistakes, really. Um, he never gave up. He came back in the senior season, led them. And really, I mean, just going back to that moment for Jeremy, I think that's when he realized, I can really do anything I set my mind to. And he proved that he, he, I mean, he went through so many struggles. Um, but as Joey and I mentioned, that is probably one of the biggest that he had to go through throughout his career. Yeah. And I think just look at his whole story started from the bottom, you know, he, his parents, you know, two, two immigrants and maybe his parents were short, but Jeremy, it didn't stop Jeremy Lin. Even if Jeremy Lin was five, three, you know, he was still growing and he was only five, I believe five, seven, five, eight his junior year but was still playing good basketball and eventually made his way up to maybe didn't have a path to his NBA career because, you know, he decided to take academics because academics is very important, but he did get some time playing for Harvard, led them, led them to being three nationally ranked teams, you know, at the beginning of his pro's career, wasn't that successful because teams weren't giving him a chance, 
but he found a chance with the Knicks, played a great span of 25 games where he just went completely off. Lynn Sanity was what that phase would be referred to. And then towards the end of his career where he would get traded and injuries would, you know, plague his playing time and he just wouldn't be the same ball player because of it. But now we see maybe a resurgence from Jeremy Lynn. What he's doing in the G League is, is great. And maybe we see a future for him in the NBA in a year or two. Yeah, sure hope so. And I just think that just says never give up. I mean, either way, he's, he's trying to make it back. He's working his butt off to get back to the league. Um, but I just think, like you mentioned, Lynn Sanity is how he'll always be remembered that 20-25 game stretch is always going to be remembered amongst the NBA, something we don't see too often. And um, thanks to Jeremy Lin for giving us that Lin Sanity. Yeah, Lin Sanity. And, and the crazy thing, one second before, Jeremy Lin, man, he was good for about a month. And I hate to diss Jeremy Lin, but he was good for about a month. He went off for the Knicks. And then after that, he he just wasn't the same ball player. I don't know what it was, but he, he was a great ball player for – a month he went off and then kind of we saw him digressing and declining towards the middle of his career. Yeah, we do. But usually when you think of Jeremy Lin, you're thinking of the insanity. Um, obviously still succeeded in the NBA, he got a big contract with the Nets. So he has made a name in the NBA. Might not be the best name, but he did, as we mentioned, that insanity, that month stretch, 25 games, just just something I think the league and fans will always remember. Thank you for turning in to this week of Started from the Bottom with Caleb Nixon and Joey Paluzzi. We will see you guys next week.